Hey, dear listener, Anthony here. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you know about an incredible new resource we just released, The Five Rules of Investing. Dan and I are huge advocates of modeling the behaviors of the people who have done what you hope to do. And who better to model when it comes to investing than legendary investors like Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, and Ray Dalio? This free ebook breaks down the simple time-tested strategies of billionaire real estate investors that you can use to take your investing to the next level. So head over to InvictusMultifamily.com and grab your ebook today. All right, now let's hop into the show. That's a good intro. That was pretty good, right? Yeah, that's relevant. All right, let's do it. So, what's up, Dan? Not much. Just hanging out, just chilling, just chilling. I guess we're here to shoot podcasts or something. I don't know. You know, something I think we should introduce into the podcast because I think we don't do it uh, intentionally. Mm-hmm. I think we do it organically throughout the course, but I think we need to make it intentional and awkward. So, <laughs> what I was thinking is <laughs> let's let's share let's share this week's highs and lows. What, what what's your highs and lows? I think this. I, I think, I think this could be an opportunity for the audience to really bond with us. Yeah, uh, highs and lows. I guess, geez, off the top of my head, highs would be. Uh, I mean, we kind of talked about this on a previous episode, but we're doing our, our quarterly raffle uh, giveaway at oh, Invictus, yeah. where we just send out money for no reason. Oh, we're doing our quarterly distribution, so that's always exciting. Uh, that's getting executed today, so we're going to be sending a lot of money out to people, which is that obviously feels cool. high. Yeah. yeah. 200,000 going back to the investors. Yeah. That's pretty neat. Yeah, that's a high. The low would be, I mean, I don't want to call it a low necessarily, but just kind of the the body of work that goes into the quarter end process of reporting, things like that. And then I've got a slightly abbreviated week this week. So just trying to uh, cram more in 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 less time could be a little bit, a little bit stressful. Yeah. That's not, it's not a very low, low though. I've had much lower lows in my day. Have so you? it's just, it's just a stressful week, but it's ending on a good note with a lot of money going this, out the door. This is why we always, <laughs> that's usually not a good thing, but this is why we call you Dan, the roller coaster career. He has high highs and low lows. Technically, I think that's a disorder of some kind that I should get checked out and medicated for, but I'm concerned. Yeah, I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, I have been slipping, slipping some lithium into your monster energy drinks. Oh, good. Yeah. So that should help. it's been really, I've, I've noticed that it's really stabilized your moods. Um, you have fewer Hulk like out, outbursts in the yeah. office, which we is cool. We haven't had to replace a window for a long time. I think that's one of my highs. I'm just going to say that we haven't had to replace a window this week due to one of Dan's outbursts. No. <laughs> so uh, about you? Uh, a low is I'm sick. So I've been sick for like two weeks, but it's not like I'm not dying. It's just annoying. You can probably hear it in my voice. And it's just, I don't know. I want to be healthy. Get over it. Being healthy is better. Yeah. High would be. um, I took the good one. You took the really good one. Yeah. I, I would say a really good high right now is we're reaching the conclusion of just a lot thing. of deals of yeah. things that we can't talk about on air, but just we're reaching the conclusion and it's been just a long, awesome year, but also um, looking forward to having everything buttoned up here in the next two months so that we can kind of just have a, a chill December, January, and just kind of, just kind of chill. 
Yeah, it chill. has been a marathon year, I will say. So yeah. we're excited to get this thing buttoned up so we can do a full deep dive for you guys and get you up to up to speed. Yeah, that's going to be exciting to yeah. share. I think it's such a cool story. Everything that we've done this year is like, we've alluded to some of it, I think, on the podcast. Um, and if you guys have, and you invest with us and you also know what we're up to. Um, but I guess if you're interested in learning about that stuff too, you, you, you do have to hop on a phone call with us. Um, you have to have a conversation and we can put you into our investor pool and then you can actually see the things that we're talking about here. But we don't want to solicit them um, broadly. So well, we can't. We well, that's a good point. Can't. We, we can't. <laughs> so um, what do you say? We, we seg- segue. Yeah. Let's segue, cast segue. some pods. All right. Well, um, you, you usually bring a piece of bad investing advice. I tend to do that. I tend to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Whether they, we ask for it or not, you're just like. Yeah, I just love <laughs> dumping bad ideas and misinformation on people. You should uh, see this I guy do, during so. our team meetings. It's like. It's all fake news. He's like, hey, we should get out of real estate and invest in alpacas. <laughs> and, and, he, and he knows what my, my hot buttons are because he knows I love alpacas. So he, yeah. um, he knows I'm like, mm, okay. <laughs> those of you unaware, alpacas, that's something worth looking at. Um, their, 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 their fibers, their fur or whatever are like worth more per pound than gold. See, it's crazy. And this, this ties nicely into my bad investing tip of the week this week, which is the best investment you can make is in a cash flowing asset with appreciation potential or potential to appreciate probably makes a little bit more sense. Um, that probably sounds like good advice, right? I like cash flow. Yeah, I like you appreciation. Like cash flow and appreciation. Both are good. Also tax benefits in there too. Tax okay. benefits, appreciation, and cash flow. That's the best investment you can make. Okay, well, well we've been kind of touting that because multifamily kind of hits a lot of those. Yeah. And by a lot, I mean all of them. Yeah. Usually, if you do it right. But uh, I had a meeting with somebody uh, the other day, a lunch meeting with somebody. Who a just luncheon? Wanted, you had a luncheon? A luncheon, yeah. Mm. It was, yeah. I just um, wanted to use that it word. It was good. It was good. It was a guy that uh, I just met recently, and he wanted to get together <coughs> and chat. Um, and um, I guess the, the topic of the meeting was kind of like, to hear a little bit more about what we do and kind of learn a little bit more about you know, finance and money and stuff like that because that's not really something that he's he's really well versed in and so we got to chatting and early on in the conversation it seemed like he was kind of thinking okay should i be investing in real estate should i do something like this that or the other and what we kind of uh landed on in the conversation was like you know the best investment you should probably make given your situation is uh put more money into your company into your business that you're yeah. running uh specifically on you know the marketing and, and outsourcing some of the things that aren't you know his his uh you know i don't want to say his own confidence but really it's not the stuff he enjoys right and so for him where he's at before he starts to take money and put it into real estate or stocks or whatever um you know i was telling him about some of the, the guys we've been working with on on the marketing stuff um i was like this might be something you should be looking at because that's going to jack up your uh, theoretically, that should be jacking up your cash flow and your income, which is going to give you more money to start to put into stuff at a later date. But at this point, dump it all back into what you're doing. Just yeah. double down. I like that, too, because I, I talk about uh, with a lot of young people when they're like, what should I invest in? I have like a 100 bucks. I have a 1,000 bucks. Uh, should I put in stocks? Should I put into real estate? How do I get into this? And it's like, I always say, no, you should first invest into yourself, into your skills, into becoming more valuable so that you can go and maximize your earning potential. And then once you've done that, then you take that money and, and start investing. But really what I'm talking about is you should be investing in maximizing your income. That's really what it is. And if you're a business yeah. owner where like, okay, I can still maximize my income here, like you should be putting it back into there until you get to a point 
where you've pretty well maximized it. And now it's like you are carrying a disproportionate amount of risk because that's your sole stream. That's the sole golden egg. And then as you want to start diversifying, but that's where you call us. That's when you call us and then we can help you out. But like generally you, you, if you, if you could invest, you know, $10,000 into one of our deals, we can double that for you in, in five years, let's say theoretically. That's, that's a great return. We're going to take that 10,000, turn it into 20,000. But if you're making $70,000 a year right now and you take that 10,000 and you invest into yourself, into getting skills, coaching, workshops, whatever, and then you go from making 70,000 to $100,000 in a year, well, over the course of five years, you've just made $150,000, whereas we only made that 10,000, you made you another 10, right? And yeah. so it's like, you start doing the math on this stuff. It's like, most people just need to focus on going and earning more. Yeah, or hiring that that key person yep, uh, or something like that. So, Cool. I like it. That wasn't too bad. That Your yeah. advice usually is like way worse. Well, I mean, the, the advice I've led with was the bad advice. Which I, I mean, that was a bait so and switch. Advice. It was when a bait you, and switch. you get to the right point, then what my, my bad advice actually does become good advice. Yeah. I, I think the, the, the part that's bad is, is saying the best without context. Yeah. You hear this all the time and we probably do it too. Honestly, in our content, like, because we want to be clickbaiting and get people to engage with the content. So we'll say things. Uh, but there truly is no best, yeah. right? There's just like, given your situation, your your circumstances, what's best for you in that moment. Mm-hmm. Cool. Let's do it. Let's get, Let's what are get we talking it. about? Oh my God, this topic is really. Uh, it's all of, tying together. It's tying right? together. Yeah. yeah. You would almost think we're like bad, brilliant masterminds doing this on purpose, but no, just we just kind of. Happenstance. We, yeah. We're like an improv troupe. Um, are we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I imagine <clears throat> who who do you think feels the most anxiety at an improv show? The audience or the improvers? The improvers. No, no? it's no. I've never been to one. So it's the audience. Assuming, really? It's the audience. And this is why people generally like don't love improv because okay. it makes them feel so anxious watching it play out oh, and being like, yeah. Oh my God, cringe. Or like, I, I would hate, that would like, be my nightmare. Right. Yeah. And so for our listeners and for Reed, maybe as he's sitting over here, I imagine sometimes like, what's the anxiety? Surely not the audience. Like they wouldn't keep tuning, tuning in if they're like full of anxiety when they listen to us. But Reed, do you ever feel anxiety when we sit down to record and you're like, where is this going to go? Oh God, please, please let this land. Well, yeah, <laughs> He's, yeah, he said, you guys can't hear him because we got to get him a mic. But he basically said, sometimes we throw out things that reads like, is that really going to land? But the nice thing is we don't do this live. If we did, that's where it would be. I had anxiety. I had two episodes in a row where I talked about Hitler. Yeah. Reed came up to me on the doing it again. Reed came up to me and he's like, "Okay, no Hitler talk this time. We can't do three episodes in a row. And I was like, fair enough. I'm reading on that note, the rise and the fall of the Third Reich, which is like a 1400 page 50 hour audiobook. Pretty interesting. We're going to do a deep dive on that in about a year. About a year. This is going to take me a bit to get through. Yeah. Um, I've I'm been reading a lot of like historical biographies and, and stuff. It's It's been pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. How was Genghis Khan? Did you finish that? Dude, that guy is crazy. I, I would recommend that book. Uh, I read the, the autobiography of Genghis Khan. It's fantastic. Genghis. I say Genghis. Genghis. Yeah, he kept saying Genghis. So now I want to be cool and cultured. I Genghis. think Genghis might be the right way. Okay. Yeah, yeah. His book is way better than Marcus Aurelius. The biography I'm reading from Marcus Aurelius, it was done by a guy named Frank McLean, I think. Well, his name just sounds boring. Frank is a dick. Frank's a dick. Like, he's writing a biography, and he just keeps inserting his own political views in the world. Oh, I'm like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be invisible. Get out of here, Frank. Like, I want to see you. I want to see Marcus. So... 
that's my ha- that's my rampage there. Anyways, let's let's get on the topic. Let's do it. What would it take for us to get out of real estate? For us to leave real estate to say real estate, screw you, we're done. It's a hard question. Uh, Reed posed it to us before we came in here. I don't even know if you've really come to clarity on what it would take for you personally to get out of it. But no, I have I two ideas. To answer the question. <laughs> so. no, I, I plead the fifth. This is a lame podcast. Where, where Dan just this. pleads the fifth for 30 minutes. I cannot answer this. Okay, so right. two things would have to happen. Um, and these are actually pretty important. One of these will actually happen. I just want you to know that. Okay. I, I was thinking about it. I was like, this is on a long enough time frame, this will happen. So the first one is property rights. One of the reasons real estate is such a powerful investment vehicle in the United States is because we have very clearly delineated property rights and structures. And this is a great way for passing on wealth between families because I own this plot of land. I can prove it and the government is willing to back me up and defend my right to own this thing. As so, long as you pay your taxes. As long as I pay my taxes, right? And uh, so presuming it's I'm in really a domain and they decide just to come and take it from me, right? So there's still circumstances where the government can take my land from me. But generally, we have a pretty good system here in the U.S. of saying, this is mine. Stay away from it. And the government backs you up. And one of the reasons, like, a lot of third world countries struggle to generate wealth is because they don't have clearly defined property rights. And if they do, then the government lacks the power to actually enforce it in a meaningful way. And so this is important because if I invest my time and energy into like building the shanty and then renting it out, but then this guy over here, Jimmy, can just come and take it from me with a gun, well, I'm really not very incentivized to do any of the work to build the thing or, or to you know, mm-hmm. invest any energy into it, right? So that would be number one, is if for some reason, and I, I can't imagine how this would happen, but somehow the U.S. slip slide, slide it slid into a world where they stopped defending property rights. And we'd buy a building, but there's just no guarantee that it was going to be ours in five years, that there was like somebody with a gun could come and take it or the government is like coming and taking properties. Like that would definitely make me get out of real estate. Like if I was in Venezuela, I, I wouldn't be in real estate. Yeah, no, I agree with that 100%. What's your number two? <laughs> you haven't had time to think about it. No, I have. Oh, you're I just, just so wanna, intrigued by what the... Sure, I don't want to... I want to make sure they go well together. So okay, these, 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 these are very, very different. Okay. These are very, very different. That first one is a hypothetical situation I think is important because a lot of people... I, I also think I might know what your number two is, and it's one I was thinking about as well, which is kind of a cop but I'm still going to... Okay. Are you, you, you're looking over and seeing maybe? No, I can't see it. Okay, but take, a, take a guess. What do you think it's going to be? Well, I can tell you what mine would be, and it's. I feel like it's kind of a cop-out answer the way I'm going to phrase it, which is... Mine's a cop-out too. Yeah, which is I won't leave real estate officially. Like I won't have... I won't probably ever be in a place where I don't have any money in it, yep. but I can very easily see at some point... I mean, I get bored of things in like, you know, 15, 20 years. Am I going to be hundred percent focused on growing real estate portfolio? Probably not. If we achieve our goals where we effectively pull ourselves out, we still technically own the thing, but we're not in it working it every day. My attention is probably going to go to something else in the future, Mm -hmm. but I'm still going to have a ton of money in there, assuming all the economics are still pretty much the same. Mm -hmm. So that would be me shifting my attention out of real estate. Which again, I feel like it's kind of a, a cop out answer. Yeah, but it's going to happen. That's that's close to mine, but not not quite. Okay, but that's a good one, and I think that's an important one. Like mine is, I don't see a world where where I'll ever again not be invested in real estate per se. There is a world wherever, however, in like where I do not see us syndicating real estate. Mm-hmm. I can see a world where in ten years, maybe even sooner, where we're we're like, you know what, we're just we're gonna we'll do joint ventures. 
we'll buy stuff with our own money. You know, it's at that point where it's like, I was starting to turn your focus onto other things in your life. And now the real estate's like, you have this great portfolio. It's, it's generating and it's there. But one of the things with, with syndicating is like, for me, one of the reasons I like entrepreneurship and building businesses is I'm not beholden to anybody. Like there's no boss telling me I have to do something. Well, and, and like, except for, you know, your customers and your employees, like you're, you're beholden to them. And within the syndication model, you also introduce like hundreds of investors into the equation that you now you are in a very personal, important way vested with. Mm-hmm. And I can see there being a world where in 10 years, I don't want to carry that burden anymore because it is a burden. It's a weight, right? That we have to like respect and honor their, their capital and like do best by it. I can see a world where I just don't want to play that game anymore. Mm-hmm. I want to play a different game where um, I don't, I don't have to bear other people's weights as much. Yeah. I think that that's actually very common out there. I think there's a lot of companies that, you know, if they had the option to go private, they would, right. You see Elon buying Twitter. The, the goal there is to, to take that private. So mm-hmm. you can do what you want to do and not have to worry about those short term, uh, things that the, the market is focusing on. So in our case, like, you know, not that we want to you know, do away with investors, so to speak, but, Maybe we just want to take things in a direction where it makes sense long term, but for you know investors, it may or may not make sense. Maybe it's just stuff we want to do. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think because the things that we want to do are not necessarily the things that we're willing to do for our investors. Yeah, like right. alpacas, right? I alpacas. Mean. Like I, I have a different risk tolerance for myself than I yeah. do when I'm investing my investors' capital, and I can see there being a world. And, and I, I think a lot of people go through a very similar growth cycle where they, they get to a level where it's like, you know what, I, I just, I, roll I, the dice. I, I want to play my own game, yeah. right? And so I don't know when that'll be, but I could see, I can see that world in the future. Yeah. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me if in like 20 years, like if I was talking to, uh, you know, 60 year old Anthony or 50 year old, I don't know how old mm-hmm. I am. Um, he's like, yeah, it's we're not like syndicating anymore. Years. I'm like, yeah, I'm not surprised by that. Like, what are you, like 48, 30, 38, 30, yeah, okay. God damn. Don't Don't take a decade from me. (laughs) Man, that suck. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's uh, probably, you know, my number one is just shifting focus, which again is kind of a cop-out answer. And then a more kind of direct answer to like what kind of changes would have to take place for me to not want to put money into real estate. You know, people would have to not have an interest in renting property for some reason. If there was some sort of giant shift in the way humans live their lives, um, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's Musk colonizing Mars and no one wants to be on Earth anymore, then that would shift things quite a bit. I mean, we, I'd have to see a pretty significant shift, um, you know, kind of avoiding the kind of the political topic that you had. Um, there would have to be some sort of massive shift where the economics don't make sense anymore to yeah. not have any money in it. And, and there's, there's plenty of countries in the world that have crappy economics around their real estate, mm-hmm. and I would not go buy real estate there. And, you know, for a lot of reasons. And I, but the, the thing is, like, there's probably always a place where you can go and put money into real estate and still get good returns relative to what else you could put it into. So, so it might not be here. It might be somewhere else. The the angle there that, uh, like, Michael Saylor talks about a lot. And I, I try not to listen to him too much because he's he's out there. But... The point he's, he's the made, most brilliant crazy man I've ever heard. Yeah, he's he's brilliant, but he is he's... A little, he's a little he's loose. There. I guess yeah. that's how I would put it. But one thing that he made a, a point about real estate that that you know I, I liked is that moving that from one place to another is quite difficult. You're literally attached to the ground, 
right? So if you want to take the capital that's in real estate in a place and move it somewhere else, it's not the easiest thing in the world. Yeah. So that's something to consider. If you are going to be investing in real estate, you got to make sure, okay, this makes sense for several years at least, right? I'm not going to want to move this for whatever reason anytime soon because it's it's tricky. You're, you're in that jurisdiction. You're in that tax environment. You're in that political environment. And getting it from there out of there could could be difficult. Yeah, we talk about how the lack of liquidity is a feature, not a bug Mm -hmm. of real estate. I was I I observed an article or not an article, um, a a post on LinkedIn the other day where somebody was talking about sharing a conversation they had with one of their LPs. This is totally off track, by the way, Um, but I think it's really interesting. And it's something that doesn't get talked about a lot is the LP was in this deal that two years later it exited and they got like this crazy 30% IRR. It was, a, it was a slam dunk deal, but the LP was really upset about it. Because he had like a 1-5 equity multiple? <laughs> yeah, because like a 30% IRR, IRR on a two-year hold is yeah. not as great as like a 12% IRR on a 15-year hold. And then you got to right? find a new place for your money. Right? And that was his thing. He's like, yeah. listen, I invested into real estate because it's illiquid, because I wanted to be into it for a long time. Now I have to deal with capital gains. Un- like I was un- not expecting this. Now I have capital gains I got to deal with. I have all this capital I have to redeploy. Yeah. And so... When you think of it from that lens, I was like, yeah, this is actually, as an investor who probably is not seeking to get the largest yield on their, their capital, they just want to park it and like find a good, safe, risk-adjusted place to put their money. To then sell it two years later, if you had been projecting like a seven or 10-year hold, I think would be a very easy way to piss off your LPs. And so... I just had a deck sent to me about two days ago from one of our investors uh, who's going to... He's thinking about investing in somebody else's deal because uh, he wanted to get some exposure outside the state, which makes perfect sense. I get like it. that idea. I get it. Uh, but he shot me the deck to take a peek at and get my feedback on. And um, one thing I noticed was I was scrolling through. They had a very uh, robust, they were very similar to us, actually, which I like. Vertically integrated, locally focused. I was like, I love that. Love that. Then I looked down in their deck. They had some historical numbers. And I was like, damn, look at these IRRs, 30, 40%. 13 months, months. 13 months. 14 months. Yeah. 16 months. I was like, damn. Okay, so yeah, you did make some good money there, but then right away... Wait, were they based out of Phoenix? Yeah. I know who you're talking yep. about. Yeah. Man, I've seen these decks. Yep. Yeah. And I was like... Is that amazing that I was able to do that? Yeah. That was cool. Well, I mean, I, the first... The other two things I said, there's not that there's many not that vertically many. integrated yeah, yeah. locally folks groups. And I mean, it looked like they, they had it down. They knew what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, but those short hold times, I mean, they make really good looking IRRs, but that's one of my gripes with IRRs. It doesn't tell you the, the full picture. Yeah. Right? No, no single metric does. So yeah. it's, it's hard. That's why you have to like unpack and have context. But total segue here. Another thing, going back to like what would make me get out of real estate is, um, here, here's something, is if there was no way to do it passively or in our cases of like having a team that we're running and they're actually working with the residents doing the leasing, all that, all the maintenance, all that stuff. Right. So our involvement on a day-to-day basis is not with residents, but if that all disappeared for some reason and there was no way to passively invest in real estate and the only way I could do it is if I was the one physically on the property dealing with the day-to-day, I would not, I would not. It would not be for me. It's a slugfest. I mean, I started uh, that way, right? Yeah. Like that was, that was how I got into the game. I do not want to do it again. Yeah, you got to yeah. do it. Um, but yeah, that you can't do that for decades on end. I mean, at some point, you're going to get a little burnt out. It's, it's a tough job. Yeah, it yeah. is. All right. So, I mean, there's not a lot of things that could happen to make me want to get out of real estate. 
I mean, if we had like Armageddon, again, this goes back to the property rights. If it's just like the wild, wild west, like I'm probably going to stop investing in real estate and start investing more in bullets. But um, beyond that, I don't know. Like there's there's probably a world where we're always going to be exposed to real estate in some way. Mm. I might be wrong. I don't know. Anyway, okay, so last week we, for the first time in a while, like this is probably the last 23 weeks where we did not do a book deep dive because... We got no more books to deep dive at the moment. We're just kind of through them. So we're, we're, we're brainstorming what a new alternative episode is that we could do uh, on Wednesdays to bring you guys value. If you guys have ideas on that, if there's things that you'd like to hear, like a unique angle, let us know in the comments or leave a review. We, we'll, we'll think about that. But uh, in the meantime, I do want to give you a book to think about looking into. And this comes from Hormozy, who did a Instagram reel the other day where he's like, Listen, he's generally against people just reading a lot. He's like, I buy 50 books a year, but I only, I skim most of them. He's like, I just come back to the same books over and over and over. And then he shared like 12 books that were, that were the most influential for him mm. in his career at different points. And I thought that was actually really interesting. Some of the, There were some books on there I had never heard of. I was like, this is awesome. But three books on there were by the same author. Ooh. And so I was like, let's talk about that song. author and yeah. those three books because... Um, I've read two of the three and I would agree like these are these are pretty foundational. They're actually books that I return to very frequently. They are Howard books. Marks? Who's that? Howard Marks. Not Howard Marks. No, this is books by uh, Robert Cialdini. And Robert Cialdini mm-hmm. is a professor of psychology, I think in Nevada or Arizona. He wrote the books um, Influence mm. and Persuasion. And he had a third one that I hadn't read. Um, but all three of those were on Alex's list. I have read Persuasion and Influence. Persuasion's good. Influence is mandatory reading. Okay. If you want to understand the psychology of persuasion and understand like the the weapons of influence and how they can be used against you or how you can use them, you know, in your own favor, this book is mandatory reading. You talk about things like reciprocity, authority, consistency. If you don't understand like what those things mean and like how you can leverage those on a psychological level if you're trying to make sales or just trying to like you know, be more persuasive in an argument with your loved ones, like you should go pick up the book because it's, it's really good. That's one that's been on my list before, but I've, I, I don't think I've ever actually picked it up. You should check it out yeah. and then we can do a book deep dive into it. It's totally worth it. Yeah. Um, and then maybe we could do persuasion too. I'm going to find that third book Hermosi mentioned from Cialdini. I just found it really interesting that three of the 12 books that he cited as being the most impactful in his life and that he comes back to frequently were from the same guy. And they're around the psychology of persuasion and influence, which one of our good buddies, Rene Rodriguez, also deals heavily in this world. And it's what I find is like the deeper we go into that world, like the more capable and well-equipped we are for so many scenarios, both in business, but also in personal life. Yeah, I like it. You've got your homework, people. Yeah, three books. So get get to reading. And that'll do it for us. Um, hopefully this was a, was a thing. Hopefully you got a thing out of it. And... Um, Until the next thing we do. (laughs) We'll see you guys later. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Multifamily Investing Made Simple. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a massive favor? Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Your feedback, it means the world to us as it helps us grow and spread the word about multifamily investing. And don't forget, 
Sharing is caring. So fire this episode over to any friends or family who you think could benefit from learning all about multifamily investing. Thanks, guys. We appreciate every single one of you, and we'll see you on the next show.